Chapter Six of With Cortez in Mexico. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. With Cortez in Mexico by George Alfred Henty. Chapter Six. Anna Huac. It was now six months since Roger was wrecked on the coast of Tabasco. He spoke the native language with perfect fluency, and had learned all that was known as to the nations round Tabasco. Malinche was his chief source of information. She herself did not belong to the country, but, as she told Roger, to a tribe that had been conquered by far mightier people called Aztecs, who lived farther to the west. It was from them, she said, that the people of Tabasco obtained their gold, which was there very plentiful, and was thought but little of as being useful only for ornaments, drinking cups, and similar purposes. They dwelt in a city named Mexico, standing in the midst of a lake. There were kindred peoples near them, and the country generally was called Anahuac. All were subject to the Aztecs, and their armies had gradually conquered all the surrounding peoples. They possessed great temples, compared to which those of Tabasco were as nothing. Their gods were very powerful, and all prisoners taken in war were sacrificed to them. They had rich mantles and clothing, and the Tabascans were but savages in comparison. Being asked how it was that she who was a native of such a nation, came to be a slave among the Tabascans. She replied with tears that she had been sold. Her father had been a rich and powerful cazique of Panala on the southeastern borders of the Mexican kingdom. He had died when she was very young, and her mother had married again and had a son. One night her mother had handed her over to some traders by whom she had been carried away. She had learned from their conversation that her mother desired her son to inherit all her possessions, and that she had, therefore, sold her to these traders. The daughter of one of her slaves had died that evening, and she intended to give out that Malincha was dead, and to celebrate her funeral in the usual way. The traders had brought her to Tabasco, and sold her to the cazique of that town. But this mother of yours must be an infamous woman, Malinche, Roger said indignantly, thus to sell away her own daughter to be a slave. Girls are not much good, Malinche said, sadly. They cannot fight, and they cannot govern a people. It was natural that my mother should prefer her son to me, and should wish to see him a cazique when he grew up. Roger refused to see the matter in that light at all, and was indignant at Malinche for the forbearance that she showed in speaking of the author of her misfortunes. This conversation had taken place at the time when Roger had first learned to converse in the Tabascan language. The girl's statements with regard to the wealth of the country to which she belonged had fired his imagination. This was doubtless the country concerning which rumors were current among the Spanish islands, 
and with whom it had been the purpose of his father's expedition to open trade malinche told him that they spoke a language quite different from that of the tabascans there were many dialects among the various peoples under the sway of the aztecs but all could understand each other as they had all come down from the far north to settle in the country thinking the matter over he determined if possible that he would some day make his way over to malinche's country which seemed so far in advance of the tabascans the spaniards will go there some day he said and although they would kill me without hesitation if they found an englishman there before them i might yet in some way or other manage to achieve my escape accordingly he asked malinche to teach him her language and at the end of the six months he could converse with her in it almost as readily as he could in tabascan for in learning it he had none of the initial difficulties he had at first encountered in acquiring tabascan the latter language serving as a medium the year which had elapsed since the swan sailed from plymouth had effected great alteration in roger's figure he had grown several inches and had widened out greatly and was fulfilling the promise of his earlier figure by growing into an immensely large and powerful man he was even now half a head taller than the very tallest of the natives of tabasco and in point of strength was still more their superior thus although the belief in his supernatural origin was rapidly dying out a certain respect for his size and strength prevented any of his opponents from any open exhibition of hostility the fact too of his perfect fearlessness of demeanor added to this effect roger carried himself well and as with head erect he strolled through the streets of tabasco with a step that contrasted strongly with the light and nimble one of the slenderly built natives men made way for him while his sunny hair which fell in short waves back from his forehead his fearless gray eyes and the pleasant expression of his mouth rendered him a source of admiration to the women who with scarce an exception still believed firmly that he was no ordinary human being one day when roger was dressing in the morning he heard excited talking in the street and the sound of hurrying feet what has happened this morning malinche he called out the merchants have come she said the merchants from my country as roger had heard from her that a trade was carried on by mexico with the surrounding countries by merchants who travelled in parties with strong bodies of armed men and that they had been at tabasco but a few days only before he had first arrived there and might be expected again in about a year he was not surprised at the news he had indeed been looking forward to this visit he felt that his position was getting more and more unsafe and that the cazique would not be able much longer to support him against the hostility of the majority of the men of importance in the town what he had heard from malinche had greatly raised his curiosity with regard to her country and his longing to see these people whom she described as invincible in war 
and so infinitely superior in civilization to the Tabascans. He had closely inquired from Malinche whether she thought he would be well received did he reach her country. Malinche's opinion was not encouraging. I think, she said, that they would sacrifice you in the temples. All our gods love sacrifices, and every year countless persons are offered up to them. It is a horrible custom, Malinche. Malinche did not seem to be impressed, as he expected. Why? she asked. They would be killed in battle were they not kept for sacrifice. The Aztecs never kill if they can help it, but take prisoners, so that death comes to them in one way instead of another. And it is better to be killed in the service of the gods than to fall uselessly in battle. I don't think so at all, Malinche. In battle one's blood's up, and one scarcely feels pain. And if one is killed, one is killed, and there is an end of it. That is quite different to being put to death in cold blood. And do they sacrifice women as well as men? Sometimes, but not so many, she said, and in dry weather they offer up children to Taluk, the god of rain. But they cannot capture them in war, Roger said, horrified. No, they are sold by their parents, who have large families and can do without one or two. To Malinche, brought up in the hideous religion of the Mexicans, these things appeared as a matter of course, and she could scarcely understand the horror and disgust which her description of the sacrifices to her gods caused him. And you think that they would sacrifice me, Malinche? I cannot say, she replied. The priests are masters in these things. If they said sacrifice, they would sacrifice you but if they thought you a god, you would be treated with great honor. How can I tell? I think that they would pay you greater honor than here, but of course I cannot tell. Why should they pay me greater honor, Malinche? Because one of our gods was white. Quetzalcoatl was the kindest of our gods. He taught us the use of metals, instructed us how to till the ground, and laid down all the rules for good government. When he lived in Anahuac, everyone was happy. Every head of corn was so big that a man could scarce carry one. The earth was full of flowers and fruit. Cotton grew of many colors, so that there was no need to dye it, and the very birds sang more sweetly than they have ever sung since. Ah, if Quetzalcoatl had always stopped with us, we should have been happy indeed." But why did he not, Malinche? Malinche shook her head. He was a god, but not one of the greatest, and one of these grew angry with him. I cannot tell who. Perhaps it was the god of war, who saw that the Anahuans were so happy that they no longer went out to conquer other people and to provide sacrifices for him. Perhaps they were jealous, because the people worshipped Quetzalcoatl more than them. Anyhow, they were angry with him, and he was obliged to leave us. He came down to the sea and took leave of the people, promising that he or his descendants would some day revisit them. Then he took his seat in his boat, which was formed of serpent skins, and sailed away, and has never been seen again. But we all know that one day, if he does not come himself, 
white people will come from the sea to us i think roger that you are one of the descendants of quetzalcoatl and i think my countrymen would think so too and would hold you in great honor if the priests who are very powerful did not turn them against you what was this god like asked roger he was tall in stature and he had a white skin and his hair was not like yours for it was long and dark and flowed over his shoulders and he had a great beard but as you are tall and white you are like him and as he went towards the rising sun it may be that afterwards his hair changed from black to a color like yours which seems to me brown when you are sitting here but gold when the sun falls on it so it seems malinche that i may be sacrificed or i may be taken for a god i would much rather that they would be content to treat me for what i am a man like themselves only of a different race and color roger had many conversations of this kind with malinche and as he felt his position becoming daily more precarious among the tabascans had come to believe that he should have at least as good a chance among the aztecs as where he was in return for all the girl told him about her country he told her much about his own he explained to her that there were many peoples among the whites as among the reds and they fought against each other in battle having weapons which made a noise like thunder and killed at a great distance he told her how one of these peoples named spaniards had conquered many islands not very far distant from tabasco and how assuredly they would come in time and try to conquer this country too he explained that while the nation to which he belonged was at present at peace with the spaniards they were not allowed to come into this part of the world and that had he and those who had sailed with him fallen into their hands they would have been all put to death the news then that the aztec traders had arrived was a matter as of much interest to roger as to the people of the town these looked forward to purchasing many things which they could not otherwise obtain for the gold ornaments the rich feather mantles and most of the other articles of superior manufacture which roger had seen were not the work of the natives of tabasco but of their powerful neighbors the traders would stay malinche said for four or five days at least and roger therefore thought it better not to go out to see them until he learned what were the cazique's views concerning him he therefore remained quietly at home all day upon the following morning he received a summons from the cazique white man the chief said i have spoken to the anahuac traders concerning you and they have a great desire to see you therefore you will this morning accompany us to their camp an hour afterwards roger started with a cazique and a numerous body of the latter's counselors and attendants the encampment of the anahuans was a quarter of a mile from the town in the centre rose a large tent the abode of the merchants and around ranged in regular order were the rough huts erected by their escort these were assembled in military array they were like the tabascan soldiers clad in thick quilted doublets their spears were tipped with copper or with obsidian 
a stone resembling flint of great hardness and capable of taking a very sharp edge in front of the tent were several banners embroidered in different devices in gold and feather work roger afterwards learned that merchants were held in far higher consideration in anahuac than in europe that their business was considered as one of great honor and that they were permitted to assume what may be called heraldic devices on their standards to carry bright feathered plumes and to wear gold ornaments such decorations being only allowed to warriors who had by their deeds in battle been admitted into an institution which closely resembled that of knighthood all others dressing in plain white clothes woven from thread obtained from the aloe even members of the royal family were not exempted from this law the whole trade of the country was in the hands of these merchants who traded not only to its utmost borders but with neighboring people they were allowed to raise forces sufficient for their protection they furnished the government with descriptions of the people they visited and often afforded the state a pretext for wars and annexations by getting up quarrels with the natives they resembled in fact the east india company during the last century mingling in their persons the military and mercantile character in addition to their soldier escort they took with them on their journeys a vast number of slaves these carried the merchandise made up into packets weighing about eighty pounds many of these slaves had been instructed in the arts of the aztecs and there were among them musicians singers dancers and workers in metal and feather work and these were sold at high rates to the people with whom they traded the merchants who were attired in rich feather mantles with plumes of bright feathers upon their heads came to the entrance of their tent when the cazique with his company approached after some talk between them and the chief by means of an interpreter roger was brought forward from the rear of the company the merchants inspected him with grave curiosity they turned and talked among themselves then they invited the chief to enter their tent he remained there for some time and when he came out again returned to his companions and ordering four of his soldiers to accompany him back to the town left the rest of his party to traffic as they chose with the merchants he did not address roger until they reached his house and then bade him enter with him white man he said the anahuan merchants wish to carry you away with them to their own country and have offered in exchange sundry slaves and articles of merchandise i would not have parted with you and have told them indeed that you were no slave of mine to sell as i chose but a stranger who had come to visit me from i know not where and have also told them that if you go with them it must be of your own free choice for that misfortune might fall upon my people did i treat you with aught but honor it is then for you to decide you know that i wish well to you and hold you in great esteem deeming that your visit here will give prosperity as well as honor to tabasco but there are those among my people who are foolish and headstrong and who view your coming with suspicion the priests too are unfavorably disposed toward you and have long urged 
that you would make a most acceptable sacrifice to the gods. So far I have withstood them, but I am old and cannot look to live long, and after I have gone your enemies would assuredly have their way. Therefore I think it is for your good that you should go with these merchants. The cazique was speaking the truth, but not the whole truth. The merchants had offered, in slaves and goods, an amount which had excited his cupidity, and he was, moreover, glad to be rid of the presence of one who was the cause of constant dispute and trouble in his councils. At the same time, he still believed in the supernatural powers of his visitor, and was afraid that, if the latter went against his will, he might invoke all sorts of ills and misfortunes upon Tabasco. He was much relieved, then, when Roger replied that he was willing to go with the merchants. I have seen, he said, that my presence here is unwelcome to many, and that I was the cause of trouble. I know, too, Kazikh, that you have befriended me to the utmost, while many others have been against me. I am willing, then, to depart. Great was the grief of Malinche when she learned from Roger that he was to go with the Anahuans. "'Could not my lord take me with him?' she asked presently, as her sobs lessened in violence. "'I shall be but a slave myself, Malinche. If you ask the Kazik, he will let me go with you. I am but of little value to him.' Roger did not answer for some minutes. He would have been glad, indeed, to have had Malinche, who had been his companion and friend, and whom he regarded almost as a sister, with him, but there were many things to be considered. He might be well received in this new country, but he might be sacrificed to these gods of theirs, and in that case Malinche might share his fate, as she said that even women were offered up. Even if well received, he might not be able to have Malinche with him. Besides, of course, he did not want her as an attendant, and in what other capacity could she go? If he got into trouble, and had to try to escape from their land, he might not be able to carry her off, too. If they were separated, what was to become of her? She could not go to the mother who had sold her as a slave. No, certainly, he decided, he must go without her. Malinche, he said, after a long silence, it cannot be. There is no saying what my fate may be among your people. I may be offered up to those terrible gods you told me of. I may be treated as a slave. There is no saying what might happen. At any rate, I shall be unable to afford you any protection. Were we separated, as it is almost certain we should be, where could you go, or what would become of you? Besides, how in any case could we keep together? I could not have you as a slave, even if I wanted to do so in your own country. And how else could you go with me? If you like, I will ask the Kazik for your freedom, so that you might travel back to your own country with the merchants. The girl shook her head. I have no friends there now, she said. Where should I go? That is just what I am saying, Malinche. There is nowhere for you to go except with me, and I do not see how you could go with me. If you do not like this, I will promise you that, if things turn out well with me in your country, I will send by the next merchants who come here 
and buy you from the cazique, and find friends for you there, and place you with them. You would have wives there, the girl said passionately, and you would never think any more of me. Roger burst into a loud laugh. Why, Malincha, I am only a boy. I am not yet eighteen, and in my country we do not think of taking wives until we are eight or ten years older than that. It is a serious thing with us, for each man has only one wife, and it behooves him, therefore, to be very careful in making his choice. I hope, long before it comes to my time for thinking of marriage, to be back in my own country and among my own people. If I were to marry here, how could I ever think of going away? I could not go and leave a wife behind me. I could not take her away with me, because she would never be happy among a strange people, any more than I should be happy if I lived here. No, no, Malincha, there is no fear of my marrying, any more than there is of my forgetting you. You can trust me. If I live and do well in your country, I will send for you, and I will tell your people that you have been as a sister to me, and will see that this mother of yours does you justice, and that you shall come to your own again, and you shall marry some cazique of your own choice. If you do not hear from me, you will know that things have gone badly with me, and that either I have been sacrificed to your gods, or that I am held as a slave and have no power whatever to help you. Malincha said no more. Her dark eyes were full of tears, but with a habit of submission natural to Mexican women, she simply took Roger's hand and placed it against her forehead. Malincha will wait, she said, and then hurried from the room. Before leaving, Roger gave Malincha several of the handsomest of the bracelets and necklaces that had been bestowed on him in the first flush of his popularity at Tabasco, and gave presents also to the old woman. The two girls wept bitterly when he said good-bye to them, and Roger himself had to fight hard to restrain his tears. It is as bad, he said to himself, as it was saying good-bye to Dorothy and Agnes. Color does not matter much, after all. Malincha is just as good and kind as if she were white. The cazique himself conducted Roger to the Anahuac encampment. He had that morning made him various presents of robes and mantles, for he was very desirous that his visitor should part in good will from him, and he again impressed upon him the fact that he only parted with him because he felt that he could not protect him from the ill-will of some of his people. The merchants made no secret of their satisfaction. As soon as they handed to the cazique the goods and slaves they had agreed to give in exchange for Roger, they had, like the cazique, pretended to be indifferent as to the bargain, and had haggled with him over the terms of the purchase. But both parties were equally desirous of concluding the agreement, and, while the cazique considered that he was making an excellent bargain for the visitor, who had voluntarily placed himself in his hands, the merchants were still more delighted. In the first place, the Mexicans were, as Malincha had told Roger, looking for the arrival of Quetzalcoatl, or of a white descendant of his from the sea, 
and if roger were to turn out to be the expected god the honor which would fall upon them as his producer would be great indeed but even should this not prove so they would gain great credit to say nothing of profit by bringing home so singular a being who would either be received in high honor by the king or would be one of the most acceptable sacrifices ever offered to the gods as soon therefore as the cazique had left they addressed roger in terms of high respect and presented to him some of their most handsome feather robes tiaras with plumes ornaments and arms to their stupefaction roger replied in their own language and as they were in ignorance that the cazique possessed a countrywoman of their own among his slaves they regarded this as a miracle of the most singular kind and as an indisputable proof of the supernatural nature of their visitant it was true that he did not speak as a native but quetzalcoatl himself might well have forgotten somewhat of his own language in his hundreds of years of absence from mexico the large tent was at once placed at roger's disposal the merchants contenting themselves with a smaller one raised beside it a number of slaves were told off to attend upon him and his meals were served with the greatest ceremony and deference that night as roger lay upon the soft pile of quilted rugs prepared for him his mind was sorely troubled as to his position was he right in allowing them to deceive themselves into a belief that he was a supernatural being ought he not rather to tell them that all these gods they worshipped were false and that there was but one true god he who was worshipped by the white men thinking it over in every way he concluded at last that there was no necessity for him at present to undeceive the anahuans he could do no good by doing so and would ensure his own destruction he resolved however that nothing should induce him to pay honor to their gods or to take any part in their bloody sacrifices they can kill me if they will he said but i am not going to be false to my religion if they should not kill me i may be able in time to persuade them that their gods are false but for the present it would be madness to try to do so from what malinche said they are devoted to their religion and the priests are all-powerful if i am to do any good therefore it must be done gradually what should we think at home if an indian were to arrive and to try and teach us that our god was a false one why he would be burnt at the stake in no time and one cannot expect that these indians would be more patient in such a matter than we should when the spaniards come they will doubtless overthrow their gods and force them to be christians just as they have with the peoples in the islands the next morning early the tents were pulled down the slaves loaded up with what merchandise remained unsold with the tents and provisions for the journey and the caravan started for the west a party of the soldiers marched first then came the merchants with roger and a small guard of armed men they were followed by the slaves and another body of troops brought up the rear for six days they passed through a country more or less cultivated with villages scattered about 
one of these was always chosen for their stopping-place and roger admired the regularity and order with which the encampment was formed and the good conduct observed in the dealings with the people provisions were obtained by barter and the inhabitants mingled fearlessly with the trading party he remarked on this to the merchants who replied that it was always their custom to keep on the most friendly terms with the people our caravans they said visit all the countries round our own and did one of them ill-treat the natives the others would suffer for it therefore we are always particular to give them no cause for dissatisfaction the empire is extensive and many parts of it are but newly conquered therefore we should be gravely blamed were we to embroil ourselves with its neighbors until the king desired to carry his arms in that direction sometimes we have trouble we were with a party who a few years back were attacked of the people of Ayotlan. we saw that trouble was coming and fortified our camp and for four years carried on war with the town and in the end captured it but this was forced upon us and we had the approval of the king all those concerned in the struggle were permitted to have banners of their own and military emblems how did you supply yourselves with provisions all the time the country people were neutral that was the advantage we had from having always treated them well while the cazique of aotlan had been a tyrant and had greatly oppressed them so they brought in provisions to us for sale and we had less difficulty in that way than the people of the town at last the villages of the tabascans were left behind for some days the caravans travelled through a very sparsely populated country and then arrived at a large village where the anahuac language was spoken we are now in the country of the king the principal merchant said all over it you will find the same language spoken for although there are many people who lived under their own chiefs and many of whom have been but lately conquered the language is similar though spoken with differences for all the tribes came down from the north and settled here and who dwelt here before they came a people called the toltecs they were a great people well instructed in agriculture great workers in metals and builders of grand cities and what became of them it is not known but misfortunes came upon them famine or disease and it is said that they went away to the south then came a people called the chichemics a barbarous people from the north whom we found here when we came of us the greatest tribe were the aztecs who settled on one side of the great lake and built a city there called tanactitlan or sometimes mexico from the great war-god mexitli another great tribe were the tezcucans to which we belong and our capital is tezcuco on the eastern side of the same lake mexico and tezcuco formed an alliance and with us was tlacopan a smaller kingdom hard by it was agreed that in all wars one-fifth of the spoil should go to the tlacopans and the rest be divided between the aztecs and the tezcucans this alliance has remained unbroken and together we have conquered all the countries round 
and from sea to sea. What sea? Roger interrupted. There is, on the west, another great sea, like this on the east, which stretches away no man knows whither. And between these two seas, all the peoples, save one, acknowledge the dominion of Mexico. For, although we are in alliance, the Aztecs have, of late years, taken the lead, for they have had very great monarchs, and are more war-loving than we of Tezcuco. And our kings, and those of Tlacopan, acknowledge the Aztecs to be the leading power, and give to their king the title of emperor. We maintain our own laws and usages. Our king places the crown upon the head of each new monarch of Mexico, but we own him to be the chief of our confederacy, and the more distant countries, that have but recently been conquered, have been assigned entirely to the Aztecs, although we have had our proper share in the slaves and spoil taken in the war. And what is the one state that has not been conquered by your confederacy? La Scala. It lies high up among the mountains and, although but a small state, has maintained its independence and has several times repulsed the attacks of our best soldiers. Roger thought that La Scala must be a sort of Mexican Switzerland. It is singular that a small state should have resisted so long, he said. They have not been very often attacked, the merchant replied. There is little to be got from them but hard knocks. The country is not fertile, the cold is too great, and they have only the necessities of life except for slaves and for sacrifice to the gods there is nothing to be gained by their conquest and you all worship the same gods roger asked assuredly he said although some are thought more highly of in one kingdom some in another mexitli or as he is generally called huitzilopochtli is of course the greatest everywhere but he is worshipped most of all by the aztecs Quetzalcoatl is also greatly worshipped. As he spoke, the merchant glanced furtively up at Roger. The lad saw that this was a favorable opportunity for creating an impression. He smiled quietly. It is right that he should be, he said, since he taught you all the good things you know, and was, like myself, white. This proof of the great knowledge possessed by the being before him vastly impressed the mexican how could this strange being know the mexican tongue and be acquainted with its gods unless he were one of them it had pleased him to assume ignorance of other matters but doubtless he was well aware of everything that had passed in the country since he left it henceforth the respect which he and his companions paid to roger was redoubled as soon as they had reached the borders of mexico a swift runner had been dispatched to the nearest post with a message to be sent forward to the king of tezcuco with the tidings of the arrival of a strange white being in the land and asking for instructions as to what was to be done with him in the meantime the merchants told roger that they wished him to abstain from going out into the various villages and towns at which they stopped. Until we know what are the king's wishes concerning you, it were better that you were not seen. In the first place, all this country by the coast is under the Aztec rule, 
and as soon as you were seen, messages would be sent forward to Mexico, and the emperor might desire that so great a wonder should be sent directly to him. Whereas, if our own king sends first for you, you would be his property, as it were, and even Montezuma would not interfere. It will not be long before an answer arrives, for along all the roads there are post-houses, two leagues apart from each other. At each of these, couriers are stationed, men trained to run at great speed, and these carry the dispatches from post to post, at the rate of eight or nine miles an hour. But the messages must get changed where they have to be given so often. Not at all, he said. The couriers know nothing of the dispatches they carry. Oh, they are written dispatches, Roger said. Then you possess the art of writing. Writing? What is writing? the merchant asked. Letters are inscribed on paper, Roger said, so that the person receiving them at a distance understands exactly what the one who wrote wished to say. The merchant shook his head. I know nothing of what you call letters, he said. We draw pictures on a fabric formed of prepared skins or of a composition of silk and gum, but chiefly on a paper prepared from the leaves of the aloe. Besides, the pictures there are marks, which are understood to represent certain things. These picture dispatches are made in the form of rolls or books. I myself has a slave who is skilled in such work, and who has depicted you, and added all particulars, and the roll has been forwarded to Tezcuco. End of chapter 6